Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us this week on the podcast. We got the regular crew. We got Jennifer Bartlett. Hi, guys. We got Kyle Wonders. Hello. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Kyle. <laughs> Well done. done. And now I have an intro song. (laughs) Oh, geez. And uh, Rob. Hello. Who's putting up with us? (laughs) I do not have an intro song, and uh, I'm not upset. We can make one for you. It's pretty easy. (laughs) It'll sound exactly (laughs) like Kyle's. A few vocal cord extensions. Rob. (laughs) Wow. All right. I haven't had enough caffeine for today. We uh, just lost uh, three listeners. I've let's had just, too much. Okay. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Everyone is wildly aware of that at this point. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's start her off with some shortcomings. So uh, I'm super stoked for this portion of the program in which, uh, Jen, why are you so excited? You look, <laughs> you look positively giddy. With excitement over this. Because I was the one who caught the shortcoming, and I never do that. You should probably get that checked out yeah. by a medical <laughs> professional. I have a doctor's appointment on Thursday. I'll do that. <laughs> I've heard that I have the shortcoming. I caught that. <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's roast Logan. What, go ahead and uh, go, ale- go ahead, inform the listeners of Footnotes. What... Did Logan do wrong? Uh, okay. Well, I'm not. You didn't do like okay. No, he did something wrong. You did do something trying, wrong. She's trying to be nice, but you no, you you were wrong. <laughs> but okay, I'm so glad you're here here's the this. deal. Okay, so he quoted Joe Brown from Brene Brown's book and said it was quote. her husband. Yep, out of Rising Strong. Out of Rising Brene Strong. Brown's book. And I was like, uh, hold up, Brene's husband's name is Steve, which I obviously like am weird because I know that. Um, and so, uh, but the quote that he read said, when I was listening to Joe preach, and so I went and grabbed the book because I own it, obviously. Um, <laughs> and it, it's Joe Reynolds, who is her Episcopalian pastor and mentor. Not Joe Brown. Not Joe Brown. Not her husband. So, yes, you read the article. However, the person who wrote the article shouldn't have just, like, taken a chunk of the book and placed it in there. Like, there should have been some... Yeah, they did a, a poor job of quoting her book in yeah. this article that she was using. Uh, which I... Who sent that to me? No, Rob found that. That was Rob. Rob found that. Yep, I found that. I think that sounds like this is Rob's shortcoming. Definitely not mine. Bullet dodged. Okay. I mean, (laughs) you should always go to the original source for your... And I thought about that, and I was like, you know, I just probably can't track down a copy of this book. I wouldn't know anybody that would have it. Um should have just remembered that uh, Bartlett would have this. Bartlett has a small library in her apartment. And they're all Brene Brown. I mean, I think I own every single one of her books. So, so. there, yep, there, there we go. <gasps> Niche Actually, knowledge with Jen. Um, so yes, the shortcoming is that Joe Brown does not exist, or if well, he, he does, does. He, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> got to be a Joe Brown somewhere in the world, but he did not say this thing. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the quote is actually from Joe Reynolds, the pastor of Brene Brown. Yeah, I'm reading this article, and I'm not sure why you thought it was Joe Brown. I because I thought it was her husband. I don't. And, that's and I the... just assumed that I, I for whatever reason reading it, I'm like, oh, she must have been talking about her husband because I know her husband's smart. And like, I was at church it. listening to <laughs> Joe talk about forgiveness. Yeah, that he was and sharing you got his experience of counseling a couple <clears throat> who are on the brink of divorce after a woman discovered her husband was having an affair. They were both devastated. Like I'm not sure how you got. I, I don't I don't know either. There's a large jump in logic, but you that's know, okay. This is a this is a perfect example <laughs> of what happens when we assume. Yes, mm-hmm. you invent people named Joe Brown <laughs> and give them credit for poor Joe Reynolds quotes. Yeah, that's what happens when yep. you assume. There we go. <laughs> All right, my bad. I'm not perfect. Hashtag roughly right. One of her books is called The Gift of Imperfection. You could yeah, borrow that. Yeah, I'm not that. touching that with a 10-foot <laughs> pole. You are How gift. about an 11-foot pole? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Nine I might foot? shoot it from a long range away. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's Logan, one. you are a gift, my friend. Mm. You are a gift. Something. I think he's implying you're imperfect, Logan. <clears throat> I, I'm ignoring what he's implying. That's okay. fantastic. I'm going to ignore that right all the way to Matthew 18 here, <laughs> where we're going to go ahead and move right along. That'll be our new line for each other. You're a gift. You're a gift. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Mission Ridge way of saying, you an idiot. <laughs> That's not actually true. If we say that to you, we probably actually mean that you're a gift. Uh, if Rob says it to me, then he means I'm an idiot. All right, so... Uh, Matthew 18. I'll probably use that myself mostly. Rob, you're such a good... Probably, yeah, we, <laughs> we do like to do that, so that, I can see that happening. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Uh, this is the section where we were talking... Uh, I did a brief spark note of this, kind of. Uh, broke it down a little bit, but did, we didn't actually read it. This is the section where Jesus is talking about um, how to disagree with each other, mm-hmm. how to uh, call each other out on, on sin and deal with conflict that comes from that. So let's go to the, uh, maybe, maybe go to the text on this one. Uh, Matthew, Mark. Matthew is before Mark. I'm really good at looking this up. <laughs> Got it. I just want to clarify, his Bible was open on his desk, implying that he had opened the passage before. Yeah, I opened to Amos, which we're going to uh, get to before. Okay. Too long here. <coughs> All right. Here Do you go. need the little tabby things? You no, know, like Bible. my ripped sticky notes? No, the <laughs> ones that have the Bible on them. Like the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, etc. Oh. They're very hey. nice. Uh, maybe. <laughs> that might be helpful. All right. <clears throat> if your brother sins against you. Verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. All right, Mm -hmm. easy enough done. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Oh. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Interesting that he brings up binding and loosing there. I'm not going to talk about that today, but it's interesting if you want to go chase that down. Uh, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. 
For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So, uh, <clears throat> interesting fact about this. Well, well, let's see if you catch it. Well, we'll run this by Kyle. I think, Jen, you already know where I'm going with this one. Okay. But, Kyle, so we start off just one-on-one. Yep. Right? You, I go and talk to the person. Right? And if that solves it, fantastic. If it doesn't, all right. Then I come back with two or three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got a couple. And then we Now we got witnesses, which is good, right? Okay. And then, then we come back with the whole... Then we take it to the whole church. Large group. Large group. Take it to the body. The whole church family. All right. And then if he still doesn't repent, if that still doesn't solve the issue, then what do we do? We treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Public condemnation. Is it, though? Ooh, wait. Hey, oh. <laughs> I don't think... Hmm. Initial response was public mm-hmm. condemnation, but like made That's, that's kind of like, oh, they're booted out, right? But how does Jesus... Treat the Gentile and the tax collector. Okay, okay. Here's here's an interesting idea now, because it's it's like created in such a way that you would want to boot them and be like, "Kabosh, sir, get out of here." <laughs> but in fact, I don't think that's right, because Mister Jesus doesn't like to kabosh people. Who who happens to be writing this passage? Who penned this for us? Mr. Matthew. Yep. And Do you know anything about Matthew's agenda? Isn't Matthew... Oh, man. What was his He's p- one of the people who's trying to do one of the things. What was Matthew's I profession? I think he was a tax collector. Oh, bingo. And wasn't Nailed he it. a Gentile tax collector? No. no. Ah, darn. Okay. Nope. nope, he is Jewish. Okay. But my boy Marty uh, vehemently believes that Matthew is geared towards the mumser, the outsider. He uses mumser loosely here. But the outsider, the Gentile, and especially the second half of Matthew, Jesus is gunning for the Gentiles. Like, he's he's talking about this a lot, right? And so... <laughs> Jen's tipping over her microphone. That was fantastic. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so, but that, like, this is the thing. So, if if we disagree, we're we're gonna go individually, and then with a couple people, and then with the entire church. Like, we're gonna take it to a larger. And if they still don't get it, then we treat them horribly. Mm-hmm. No, we treat them like the Gentiles or the tax collectors, which I I think. Jesus treats the Gentiles and the tax collectors pretty well. He's got one of them as his disciple. Um, so I, maybe continue loving them even though they're wrong is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there is a degree of like, okay, <clears throat> they are still treating Gentiles as Gentiles. Like, there is still a, dis- you know, it's it's there's still a, a break. A distinction. Yeah. Well, and I, I think of that like, I don't remember what, church program it is but you start with like a inner circle outer circle like you work with like you have three people who are in your inner circle and you're like and so um like your circle of i don't want to say trust but like depth and intimacy and vulnerability kind of Ah. the further out you go like i'm not gonna tell 
Sunday morning church, my deepest, darkest secrets, like to sure. be on sure. YouTube, but I have got a small group of people. So like you're still in relationship with those people, but the uh, degree of vulnerability that is in that relationship changes. Yeah. Yeah, the sense that I, I get in this is that one, there's a process. Mm-hmm. And as you said in the sermon, keep small things small. Mm-hmm. And so we, we want to start small. We, we, I should have this one-on-one conversation with you first. And if, if that doesn't work, then I uh, I bring other people, I bring community into the conversation. Uh, hopefully that helps provide perspective. If that doesn't work, we bring the larger community in and if that doesn't work then maybe we're really talking about outreach maybe we're really talking about the fact that uh, you may not even have a connection with the Lord and and like you just your perspective Mm. is so distorted that that even communities not helping you understand what the right next step is. And so on one hand, I don't think Jesus is saying, Hey, there's no consequences. Sure. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if, if church discipline is involved, the goal always should be from the church's standpoint, reconciliation. Mm-hmm. As far as it depends on us, like we're going to continue to uh, have high standards. Like we have to have high standards because we're talking about the serving the God of the universe, and 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 if someone is, uh, as you talked about at the beginning of the service, where uh, we talked about what forgiveness is and what it is not, you know, we're not going to call evil good. And if someone is destructive, we're not going to let them continue to be destructive. Like we will protect the vulnerable. We'll protect. Mm-hmm. We'll protect the wife that's being abused. We'll, we'll we'll protect the child that's being abused. We'll invite in the authorities if that's uh, something that's prudent mm-hmm. uh, to, to keep people safe. But the goal is always restoration. As far as it depends on us. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, I I understand what you're saying, but I think there's also something to be said that the public eye sees tax collectors and Gentiles as, like you said, an outsider. Mm -hmm. So there's some sort of hesitance there. And while, like, there's still a call to love, I feel like, the escalation of if that doesn't work, then this, if that doesn't work, then this mm-hmm. kind of builds into this idea. If that doesn't work and like in this large group setting, then there still has to be some sort of hesitance. Sure. But like, don't not love them. I don't, it, I think it's a, yeah, a double mean, yeah, a no, two-edged sword. There's absolutely like they're, they're, you're, you're treating them as the outsider then at that point that they're not necessarily part of the community. But a lot of times, and I think this might be interesting because you've haven't been in the church for a long time, 
um, I've seen this passage used as a hammer to beat people over the head, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this this passage gets probably abused to a degree um, as far as church discipline goes, and it can be applied poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this this shunning, does Jesus shun the tax collectors and the Gentiles, or does he minister to them in an appropriate manner, right? <clears throat> I think that's the... That's probably where I would land with that. Because, yeah, you're right. There is, like, there is definitely, it's not like, oh, nope, nothing's, nothing happens. They're still, like, they're they're being treated as mm-hmm. an outsider at that point. Um, but I think with Jesus' agenda, they're being treated as an outsider that we're hoping to get inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would point back to what Rob's saying with that reconciliation. Yeah. No, I agree. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's uh, <clears throat> I mentioned that we talk about this a little bit. Um, so when Peter asks the question of how many times should I forgive my brother, uh, seven times, and he throws out that out, and we're like, oh, yeah. and Jesus stomps on him with the seventy-seven times. You're like, oh, that's so many. Uh, Peter's actually using a pretty good number um, because the rabbis would teach that it was uh, three times, three strikes, and you're out. And I made a bad baseball joke. Um, so as opposed to reading the first two chapters of Amos and trying to flesh that out, uh, we'll just tell you, go read the first couple of chapters of Amos. Um, but the first century rabbis, and let's see, where am I getting this from? This is a, uh, uh, this is an old commentary on, on this passage here. <clears throat> but, uh, first century rabbis taught that one ought to forgive and forgive and forgive three times. The number was based on the first and second chapters of the Old Testament prophet Amos. He quotes God as saying that he will forgive three times the transgressions of such places and peoples as Damascus, Gaza, Tyre, Edom, Ammon, and Moab. The rabbi's logic was that no one ought to be more forgiving than God. Logical place to land with that, right? Mm -hmm. And, And he says that in early in chapter one, you know, three times I will, I will forgive Damascus, right? Um, and this is, so this is where they landed. And so I, 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 the more I'm thinking about this, it's kind of interesting that Peter takes it further than like how many, seven, mm-hmm. um, like how, how many times, what do, what do I do with this? Um, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting there, but the, the, the reference there with Amos is this because God is going to forgive those cities three times. Well. We shouldn't be more forgiving than God. God is the most forgiving. Which logically checks out. Mm-hmm. But then we then we get this parable that paints God as the uh as the master that's forgiving this ridiculously large debt. Yeah, and if you if I was just to read this, I would not necessarily decipher that the rabbis landed here, like, because what it says, and he says this over and over and over again, eight times he says this about different uh, nations, neighboring nations. Uh, for thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. And so, like, the the picture is, I was good at three, but at four, I'm not. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not it's not like super clear, but I get I get the translation. I, I hearing that that's how the rabbis read that section sure. helps, but it's a it's an interesting. And I think that's one of those. There's a lot of these where they've been wrestling with these scriptures for hundreds and hundreds of years at this mm-hmm. point, right? A few. Just a couple. Uh, as far as the prophets go, it'd be probably about 400 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure when Amos was written specifically. Was that in exile? Yeah, I believe I believe that was uh, in so the days not. of Uzziah, the king of Judah. Okay, yeah, so... But it's so that's an interesting thought. You know, can we forgive more than God? Uh, I, you know, I like I, I like the fact that they're they're like really thinking about this, mm-hmm. um, and they're really they're trying to go. You know, we talk about what's uh, descriptive, what's prescriptive in scriptures. Sure. Um, but there was something about Jesus where Peter says, oh, we need to go further than what, what even the other rabbis are saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like there's something about his experience with, with Jesus. I want, and I wonder if it has to do with the, the Matthew 18, because there's, there's, there's three parts, and then you treat them... And then they're out. Mm-hmm. Almost, you can almost read it that way. It's the individually, then with a couple people, and then with the whole church, and then you treat them as Gentiles and tax collectors, and which wonder, they were pursuing on a which regular. they're pursuing on a regular basis. And I wonder if Peter's like, wait a second, is that like m- more, mm-hmm. <laughs> more than three? Then right. I thought it was three strikes. But we also went and hung out with Zacchaeus that one time. So what? What is it? <laughs> well, and and so was the nation of Israel forgiven more than three times? I mean, I feel I, I feel like the answer there is yes. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a difference between forgiving an individual <clears throat> and Absolutely. forgiving a nation. Like I think. There's different implications there. That's a good distinction. You know, if uh, if a nation comes, like, starts a war with you, like, I'm slower to forgive that, or not not so much forgive, but I think that that has different ramifications. But even but even as a nation, like, we have forgiven Japan, we've forgiven sure Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, like. People, people groups, whole people groups that were once our enemy are now our allies, and we've rebuilt these relationships. So, yeah, it's a interesting. Some tasty footnote fodder there. Interesting conversation. Tasty little footnotes. All right. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about Esther. Oh yeah. Did you catch this one? Uh, no. Do you, are you catching it now? Uh, I was just gonna go pull up Esther. Three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, I know you read this one pretty recently. Esther's husband's yeah. name is not Joe. Yeah, Esther's husband is not Joe Brown either. What? 
I know, crazy. Xerxes. Thanks. Thanks for that, Rob. That was so good. Oh. But, but uh, there is one. Rob, your gift. There's. <laughs> 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 there is one one other time where someone offers to pay 10,000 talents. Oh. Uh so in Esther chapter 3 uh Haman is promoted uh okay. within the government and he's he has authority over all the princes and quite the prideful guy. Yeah, he's got an ego. And um, Mordecai will not bow himself before him. Yep, like like the other princes. And so he comes up with a plan. And verse nine says, "If it is pleasing to the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed." And I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put into the king's treasuries. There you go. What is this connecting to in your sermon? The ten thousand talents. How did? It's the sixty six million billion whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's that big, so number. The, the, that big number. Yeah. So the it's ten so thousand. That's how much. That's how much the master is forgiving. I is the ten thousand talents. I just don't see what this is trying to tell us. The connection. I'm not sure if the. So like, this. So is that's this a remez. This is the remez. So the ten thousand is a remez. Mm-hmm. Hammond wanted to destroy the Jews. Over 10,000 talents. I, I thought Mordecai wanted. No. was going to pay the 10,000 talents. Mordecai was Mordecai the Jew. is the Jew. He okay. is the uncle of Esther. Okay. So Mordecai is like, nah. So Hammond's all like, brah. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to pay for you. Yep. Okay. That was such a beautiful <laughs> way to do that. Nah. So, so Hammond will not forgive... Mordecai, his transgression of not bowing to him. And he's willing to pay 10,000 talents to destroy the whole nation of Jews because of this offense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Maybe when we're unwilling to forgive... We're destroying ourselves. Because that's ultimately what happens there in that mm-hmm. story with with Haman. Is he, he hangs on the gallows that yeah. he builds. It could be. That could be that that could be could be a remez there. Mm-hmm. Jesus is calling back to you. I I haven't wrestled with that one at all, so I don't really Now that all the dots have could been be the connected, drosh. I see it. All right, all right. <laughs> You literally had to connect each. Could be, could, could be, be the drosh. The remez yeah. is the ten thousand yeah. talents. Yeah, that is that is a hint. Is that a that could be the that could be a, a I guess I I guess I would say that could be a legitimate remez because there's some things where you're like I don't yeah there's no 
sure they have the same number, but is there actually a, you know, was he actually referring people back to that? Excuse me. Um, so that, I mean, that, that, I think there are some, that's part of, is that a, a legit remez? Because a, a legit remez would provide drosh. Mm-hmm. I think would be well, the. And for a Jewish listener who celebrates. Purim. Purim. They're going to remember that number is going to like. Could be. I bet. It's uh, a fair. They survive because. Yeah, like, the 10,000. That they'd remember that story well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could very. I, I could see it happening. For sure. Yeah. See? Wrestling through remezes with people. It's fantastic. You should try it sometime. You being the listener. Go. Care wrestle. Group. Find some people. Read a parable. Be like, what's going on? Ah! And then you're like, I don't Woo! know if you need to make that noise. But okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Make those noises. You first you go like, ah, I don't know what's going on. And I'm supposed to talk about Esther 3, but I haven't read Esther 3, and I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, this kind of makes sense. <laughs> You should go read the book of Esther. It'll take I you should read a lot of things, Jen. 30 minutes. I have read most story. of the old You know Testament. what else takes 30 minutes? Watching the VeggieTales version. Oh, Ooh. yeah. I can download that illegally on my roommate's iPad. Uh, or you can just like watch it. Aren't they all on YouTube now at this point? Are they? If I they probably. are. Well, that's still illegal. Uh, they might just be legally on YouTube. I might have it on VHS. Oh. That would be I do have a VHS player in Social Sciences 352. I have a VHS player at home, too. So yeah, yeah. There are only two places in all the scriptures where 10,000 talents... Gets used? Gets used. That there's, seems like a pretty solid remez, then. There's other mentions of talents and tens, but... Yeah, 10,000 talents... Seems like a pretty solid connection. All right. And knowing the significance of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, it's it's uh it's kinda like uh yippee kaye, you know, like that kind of takes you back to a certain moment, a certain movie. <laughs> <laughs> I had to cut it short. <laughs> I was wondering if there was a usage of that word. <laughs> that was not what it immediately popped into my mind. I was just wondering whether I was going to get to bleep something on footnotes for the first time. I did the TV version. <laughs> Yikes. I left off the talents. I am I'm showing so much self-control right now. I just want everyone to be so proud of me. I'm like struggling wanting to go back to the Veggie Tales conversation about like the it, best. Jen veg- definitely had something to say <laughs> and oh, then Rob cut her off. Loud. So let's just move along. <laughs> I just want to make a joke about the, the VHS player and tape players and stuff, but you know, whatever. Uh, let's uh let's talk about let's let's get back on track here. We're gonna bring it back in. Reel it back in. <sighs> Do we have- Yeah, we we need to reel it back in. It's I know you want to talk about Veggie Tales, so that's fine. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> what care groups for oh, where's my hairbrush oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> we have derailed <laughs> uh, let's uh let's talk about I'm, I'm curious to see where this one goes uh let's talk about david and leaving room for god's judgment Ooh, you could watch david in the rubber ducky for this one jen 
Okay, you I'm can't done, talk I'm for two minutes. You're on the silent treatment for two minutes. Okay, mute her mic, Logan. <laughs> I'm not I was gonna sure. say, I don't think he could have shut her up for two minutes. Oh, out of this group, I am the one who probably uses the least amount of words, and I'm the female, so. That sounds like overt sexism. I don't know what to make of that. Y'all talk a lot. Um, I'm going to not touch that with the same pole that I'm not going to touch Brene Brown's book with. Um, Moving right on to David, not David and the Ducky, uh, because that's not this story, I don't think. January Uh, gift. So David, he's a guy I know some stuff about. This is coming out of First Samuel, right? Turn on timer. For how long? Oh my god, two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Getting ready to test a theory here. So it's just going to be a two-minute like blank slate in the middle of the. We're going to talk about David. Okay, that's what I thought. So first Samuel, Rob, do you got a passage for us? <laughs> for Samuel 25. All right, first Samuel, chapter 25. So there's a man named Nabal, which means fool. Fool. And uh, David sends word to him and says, hey, will you support my my men with, we provide a gift to us because we've been working alongside your folks and and you've lost nothing the entire time and and he rebuffs the request as it were and sends word back and says I don't know who David is Nabal Nabal rebuffs this and says no Nabal rebuffs this and um and so the men go back to David and when David hears this he is one hot mess. He is mad. A little perturbed. Steam is flowing from his collar. Yes. And so David takes his men of war and starts to head out. And she is struggling. <laughs> There's a lot of hand motion Jen's going on. This. She's catching this. She really <laughs> wants to. Yeah, yeah. I'm so proud of she's, you, Jen. She's watching her phone to see when the time is up. This is fantastic. So David, all hot and bothered, hens, uh, decides to head out Starts with to his head mighty out. men. Is with the, the mighty me- men? In, in the meantime... Oh, good job, Jen. Good job. <laughs> okay, continue. Sigh, <laughs> Sigh of relief. <laughs> She's out of her punishment zone. Thank you. Um... <laughs> so um Abigail, the wife of Nabal, okay. uh hears word of this and he she takes a gift to to David and uh stops David from from his plan of vengeance. Of vengeance. Total annihilation. Yeah. And uh, 
Naval ends up uh, depressed over this whole encounter, okay. and he ends up dying. And David recognizes that uh, Abigail has has stopped him from taking vengeance into his own hands. And it's really, uh, it's almost uh, the story, it's, it's like David isn't living out his truest self, like he's a very uh, forgiving person. And up to this point, he has um, spared Saul's life um, at least once, I think multiple times by this point in, this, in the story, in the timeline. And yet he just has this automatic response to Nabal and and it's it's actually like Nabal has done significantly less than than King Saul, but he spares Saul's life. But oh yeah, but he's willing to just turn and chase after Nabal. Um, Catches him in a bad moment. Now, by all accounts, Nabal was an evil evil man. Okay. And God deals with them. And I think sometimes um, when it comes to forgiveness, we we need to just give room for, to let God deal justice the way God wants to deal justice. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree completely. That's a fantastic story uh, to describe that. That's I think that's exactly what we see there. Mm-hmm. There's and the, there's this is not the only story where we see that warning of letting letting God handle the the vengeance the justice absolutely nice nice <clears throat> Jen it Last goes to you least. with your idea of the century I, mm, idea of the century of seconds we'll say <laughs> century of seconds well in mm. <clears throat> All right, so you had a you had a thought yesterday. Yeah, we were talking after the sermon. Yeah, and you were like, "Here's the thing. Sometimes it's tough to forgive God. Mm-hmm. Is that that's inaccurate? Yeah. All right, that's I quoted you correctly in that. Mm-hmm. Want to make sure I got that right? Yeah. All right. And I think okay, so I went back and read the whole chapter of the Brene. Brown rising strong, and one oh. of the things she talks about is—is is like, that the one where she quotes Joe Brown? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. That one. You're a gift. <laughs> you are a gift. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but she talks about how, like, and I think your quote said this about how, like, forgiveness requires death. Yeah. And when you think about it, death requires grief. Yep. And so. When you're grieving the loss of something, like, um, you can't really forgive until you let whatever the expectation is die. Um, and I have been struggling with forgiving God with, I don't know if struggle, like, yeah, well, no, we'll just go with that word. That feels like the best fit. Um, with, like, I don't think it was an expectation, there was a plan set in motion that had been prayed through, worked through. Like, I was one hearing away from adopting the girls. Mm. So we're going to go to that realm. 
And in a moment, that all changed. Mm -hmm. And there has been so much trauma and pain and severed relationships because of... And I mean, I can see that there's this brokenness of people that have caused it, but it's like there's always this knowledge that God is omnipotent, omniscient. He's all knowing, all powerful. His hand could have been like, like intervene. Thank you. Uno reverse card. (laughs) The noise she made paired really well with the hand motion she did, though. It was a nice extension. Uh, yeah. God's just going to come in there and drop a nope card on that. Right? Yeah. Sure. So, and knowing that he could, and again, there's a, like, my brain can tell me that God sees outside of this moment. Like, he is outside of time. He sees how what's happening in the last year is going to have impacts over the course mm. of a lifetime. I don't get to see that. Sure. But I can sit right now and be like, man, what I'm seeing is not good. What I'm seeing is not the best for um, me, for the girls, for other people involved. And so there's this struggle of like, God, where were you? Like, um, And letting the expectation of um, family and adoption which feels like both of those things are so high on God's priority list that mm. like, and being like, all right, well, I don't understand, but I forgive. Like, and it, it feels weird saying, okay, God, I forgive you. But at the same time, there's this level of like, you could have intervened. And so, and I know that you were talking about how like, you don't think we can forgive God, but I, yeah. Um, yeah. So no, that's like, <laughs> I completely get what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. And that's entirely valid. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that. Um, but then I was, I was thinking about that more and it's this, okay, so if I, but if I'm forgiving God, and this is my wrestle with that, is that if I, if I'm forgiving God, then I have to be saying that for some reason, God has wronged me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, does that, that God has done, has made some grievous error? Like that seems, I don't, I don't know if I, right. I don't, I don't know if I can say that. Right. It's a weird struggle to be in because it's like, and I know these were my expectations, but I also felt like the doors were opening in sure. only ways that God could make them open. Like Jen adopting two Native American girls never should have even been on the realm of possibility. God opened that door. Like mm. like numerous people within the tribal system were like, I can't believe that they're letting you do this. Like, this is amazing. And I was like, yeah. I don't know. So, you know, there's this like, sure. Why get us five yards from the finish line to, to have not, it have it yeah. be yanked away? So, sure. Yeah, and that that was my only that was my only thought. I vehemently disagree with you on that. <laughs> so, so let's let's so here's the definition of what it means to forgive. Okay, hit me with it. 
to cease to feel resentment against, uh, and then there's parentheses, an offender, uh, to pardon or forgive one's enemies, to give up resentment or resentment of or claim to requital, to forgive an insult, to grant relief from payment or forgive a debt, Mm. to, uh, yeah, so I think that's enough. Um, I think to to give up resentment to the feeling of of resentment, whether whether the the offense is real or perceived, I think mm-hmm. that's still like that to to, yeah. to give up that resentment is mm-hmm. uh, yeah i hadn't thought of i hadn't thought of resentment as being the when when you put it in that lens then that that opens up a whole new a whole new realm mm-hmm. i guess i was thinking of i was i was thinking of it in the in the sense of like i have to forgive when my brother sins against me mm-hmm. sure like the forgiveness of somebody who is a f- who has wronged me and i now forgive them but if it's just giving up resentment in mm-hmm. that sense oh well then that would be yeah so <clears throat> but in that sorry to cut you off can i cut you off or do you want to go first no go go ahead okay um in this idea of giving up resentment resentment in this situation, are you really, or like not necessarily this situation, but like all situations, are you really resenting God or are you resenting yourself for like trying to manifest these expectations and like having this wrong interpretation? Mm. And so I think a lot of times we like place this anger on God, but like it kind of goes back to we're upset that like what we had planned didn't mm-hmm. happen. And so it's not really this resentment towards God. We just kind of push it to him instead of placing it on ourselves. He takes the scapegoat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. It, and it is an interesting question. I mean, God is, he's everywhere. He's all powerful. You know, we want, you know, there are, we, we want certain things to happen a certain way. And I think even, even some things you were describing there, you're talking about godly desires. Mm-hmm. Like these were desires given to you in order for you even to head down this path of what it means to be, you know, an adoptive parent or, you know, yeah, the foster just, system. It's not just the question of, well, why is God letting bad things happen? Right. Yeah, because, yeah, and so like... You you felt called by God to be in this in this position in this role, and and you step up to that and and oftentimes we picture like we have this narrative in our in our mind that well when I do this that means that this is all going to end the way mm-hmm. in a very positive manner mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that's what you're talking about, Kyle is you know we have these expectations but. But these are seem to be fairly realistic expectations that if I'm going to go down this path of of fostering these these two young ladies and then and then okay now yep we need to go even further I'm going to adopt them like that seems 
like a really reasonable thing to mm-hmm. expect. Mm-hmm. And then when that doesn't happen, and then to see like the some of the harmful effects that has on the girls and some of the events that take place that that you know we wish would not have taken place like that is that is painful to watch and be be a part of and i think it's it's a job moment right mm-hmm. yeah i mean job loses his family and we're and the scriptures pull the the curtains back a little bit and we see into the throne room and it seems like God's the instigator of, of the whole mess. Right. Sure. You know, and it's that classic, you know, trope in a movie where the guy that accidentally hit the button or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> and it comes to light, you're like, dude, what were you doing? And so can we be honest with no, honest enough with God to say, I resent you. I've been resentful over this situation. Because what I've seen is people deal with resentment towards God all the time. Mm-hmm. And usually we take it out on people. Mm-hmm. I don't like the circumstances we happen to be in. You're in close proximity, so I'm going to take it out on you. But if we want to be honest, the one I'm really pissed at is the one upstairs. Sure. And so just just even the fact that you're willing to talk about, oh, I, I got to forgive God. It doesn't mean that we're saying that God is flawed or mistaken just letting go of that resentment. But mm-hmm. but there's something about our expectations that like do you Jen still believe that God is God? Mhm. Worthy of your worship? Mhm. Worthy of your praise? Yeah. Greater than you by like a gazillion a gazillion talents. At least by a gazillion and a half. <laughs> I mean, he's he's smarter, he's wiser. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think probably not funnier because you're pretty funny. But <laughs> yeah, it's I'm gonna true. scoot a little further this way to avoid the lightning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're still awestruck by your God, but you still have these emotional this emotional response. And I think it's sure. to to even be able to say, "Oh, I'm resentful towards God." Like that, I think is because that. God never answers Job. No, no, he doesn't. Right. He just he just talks about how big and amazing he is. And where were you <laughs> when I set the foundations of the world? Yeah. And when I, you know, and God just says, "Are you still willing to worship me, even if you don't understand what I'm doing in this moment?" Yeah. And uh, and I think that is actually a very I think that's more honest in worship when we could go, I worship you, even though I don't understand this moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. And emotionally, at the emotional level, I am struggling, and I don't know what to do with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. That's I th- good. I think it's made my... It's weird, because I'm like in the season of being resentful towards God, 
but I think it's made my moments of worship more sweeter because it's like, okay, well, here we are. Like, I'm pretty mm. sure, like, Sunday mornings, I cry at worship every Sunday, where whether I'm running the tech room or back in the back row. <laughs> Is that why you sit in the back row now? Uh, well, you used to be a front row ganger with me. It's been a minute since I've been not in the tech room, but yeah, I just kind of sat back there this week. I don't know why. Like, I'll sit by you next time, okay? Okay. Yeah. We can be seat buddies. Pew buddies. Pew. <laughs> sure. Then there's that. <laughs> I, we don't have. Never mind. <laughs> Don't acknowledge we don't the fact have that we don't have if pews. you're sitting in pew together. I nope. was picturing him, her going, pew. He needs a shower. Pew. Pew. Saying we don't have pews if you're sitting in a pew together in church. <laughs> Somebody's fault. <laughs> Kyle. Oh. <laughs> Kyle's like, fault. I can't believe that you guys went there. This was such a. This was a. This was. A I don't think I get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know oh. what like pew is? Yeah, pew. Not you know, the seat. Like a seat, a church. Nope. Nope. He doesn't get it. It's fine. <laughs> if somebody wants to email him the answer at info at missionridge.church, I'll forward it to him. <laughs> Brent, we're looking at you for this one. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. Anyway, all right, cool. Well, it's been a fantastic episode of Footnotes. We will be back at it again next week. What parable are we talking about this weekend? I don't remember. Was it the Good Samaritan? Uh, no, we are talking about the Pharisee oh. and the tax collector. Ooh. How many more weeks Pharisee do we have? And the tax collector. That's it. This is Ooh. the last one. Fantastic. That's right. And then Lent <clears throat> begins. How Lent. are we already to Lent? Because time flies when you're having this much fun. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. We're having a ball. <laughs> We're having a ball, Jen. Don't look at me like that. 2021's just been great. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> That's a take you're allowed to have. <laughs> What? We're going to take the optimistic approach. <laughs> this glass is half full, one quarter full. I was an optimist for a long time. I I I appreciate it. It's fine. It's 2020 fine. broke, Jen. We're just going to we are going to we're going to drag optimism back into the light. So, Ooh, with okay. that. I with like that, it. Let's do it. We got one more week of parables. It's going to be fantastic. We got uh, a Pharisee and a tax collector to learn about, and we'll be back at it again with some tasty footnoty goodness next week. In the meantime, y'all have a good time. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes. I mean, I can project, but I feel like a podcast is more like a low and slow vibe.
back here today on Mission Ridge Radio Cast. Join us for another sermon with your pastor, Rob Croyle. 